People love him already. He's got the uh, Rhode Island twang. The long pass to Moore and a pin block from Martin. Tune in to Cam's corner. He's going <laughs> to make it here. Draws the foul for another Rhode Island in one. Podcast his own podcast. It's good off the backboard and in. Kind of great. And we are back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cam's Corner today. Joining me, Josh Flaney, the new in-arena host of the Providence Friars. We've had John Hope on, who was the former in-arena host of the Friars. Flaney taking his spot, doing an amazing job so far throughout, what, like five or six games so far? Yeah, home? yeah. We're uh, we're five games in at home, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, pleasure as always. This is, the, I think, the first time I've had you on, but we've we've been on the EG Pot of Thunder. Shout out, yeah, Effie. Shout out to Effie. Um, we've been on there a few times. That's how we connected. Uh, again, super inspiring to see your journey and how it's it, it's went and – Again, kind of similar to how I'm trying to get into it, the sports media. You want to be the face. You want to have a voice. That's something I want to do. So it's, again, super inspiring to see what you're doing. Um, and, again, that first game we went to, uh, I think it was it was Columbia, right? Yeah, they played. yeah, Columbia. That was super cool to see you on the floor. So we want to get into that origin story and how that all came about. So um, I know you've had a lot of other background things and a lot of things that built up to this job. So yeah. just kind of introduce that and how PC uh, was – was gifted to you too yeah yeah no definitely super excited to be on cam's corner oh, i feel yeah. like it's ironic i feel like it's been such a long time in the making and mm-hmm. actually it hasn't time wise but i feel like we've been kind of building and working towards it so super super appreciative and thankful to be here mm-hmm. again shout out to effie for for making the connection i think it was probably like a year ago yeah that we jumped on the pod together and you know we've kind of organically been you know, talking discussing and have been able to be back on the pod again again with effie and super excited to be here uh, and ironically enough, what's transpired in the last year, I think for both of us has been really cool, but so, yeah, so, you know, I'm super excited, you know, shout out to John Hope, my man, Harry, who was the, the voice of, you know, the voice of the Friars, uh, at the civic center at the dunk and then the amp for 16 years, a good friend of mine, uh, ironically enough, we met at URI. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of folks don't realize he played basketball at URI. A lot of people didn't know uh, that. Folks yep. didn't know that. Uh, and I think it was funny, obviously seeing the connections going from URI, then over to PC, I had a similar journey, you know, being a URI grad, uh, very proud of my undergrad and my time in Kingston. Um, but now being on the other side of it uh, is really, really cool. Uh, so I had a really cool opportunity um, this spring. You know, John had announced uh, at the end of last season he was stepping down from his position. Uh, so they kind of opened it up in around May. Uh, I had a good friend of mine who um, I made a good connection with. So about a year ago, I had the opportunity to assist in the launch of RIFC, Rhode Island Football Club, uh, our first professional soccer team that's coming to Rhode Island. Super excited for that. Uh, I think it's going to be great for the community, great for just the sports community and the community as a whole. Uh, so I had opportunity to work on some stuff with them and do some voiceovers for for the reveal of the club and their crest and colors and all of that, which was amazing. And made some really cool connections from that. So the connection, one of the connections I made through there, um, is actually how I kind of stumbled into this opportunity with PC. So the, it was a tweet. It was, you know, a tweet went out from the athletic department. It was saying like, "Hey, we're looking for the new MC." Uh, and immediately, you know, that, that buddy of mine, Mike sent that to me. It was like, Hey, this is for you. You'd be great at this. Uh, and I, you know, otherwise don't know that I would have necessarily thought about it. Uh, so he sent that over to me. First thing I thought was, let me reach out to, to Harry. Uh, so I reached out to Harry and was like, Hey, you know, someone sent this to me. Obviously you were holding this down for 16 years. You did an amazing job. You know me, 
you know, do you think this is, is a good fit for me or something I should go for? And immediately he's like, absolutely. He's like, it's yours if you want it. I have no doubt that you'll be great at it. You know, if you go through the process, I have no doubt that you'll be the person they ultimately select. And also, you know, I'm here to help in any way I can, which was awesome. Uh, obviously, I've known Harry for a bit. He's always, you know, shown up when, when I've needed him or vice versa. So that was cool to kind of get his stamp of approval mm. before even going into the process. It gave me a, you know, kind of different sense of confidence and right. comfortability. Uh, knowing someone that knows me and who was in the role thought I'd be good for it. Uh, so kind of did that. It was a few months long process, had the opportunity um, to do a couple different events and then ultimately had the opportunity to host Late Night Madness on September 30th, which was kind of like, you know, the maiden voyage. You know, it was really cool being in the being in the amp. You know, I think there was, you know, eight to nine thousand folks there that night. So for me, someone who loves sports love speaking publicly, loves communicating. I've never been in a venue that big, you know, in front of folks. So it was a little bit intimidating and daunting, but it was it was funny. And I think this is how I knew it was for me. As soon as I walked in the arena, all the nerves went away. Yeah, uh, you remember, remember you saying yeah, that. It yeah, was, it was funny. It was one of those things where, you know, the whole day, you know, leading up to it, I was nervous. You know, I felt confident, and, I, and I'm a big proponent of nerves are good. Mm-hmm. You know, nerves are good. It means you care. It means you value what's happening, and you're actually putting your best foot forward. So I always tell folks, lean into those nerves. Lean into those and channel them, you know, the right way. So it's funny. I walk in, and, you know, I see all the people, and literally all the nerves went away, and I just felt comfortable. And to me, that was a sense of I belong here. This is something I should be doing. Let's dive into it. Um, so everything went well, you know, as you mentioned, we're, you know, five home games into the season now, uh, it's each game, you know, each read, each, you know, opportunity to, to get out there and get in front of folks. I feel more and more comfortable loving the opportunity. I think the one thing that's been really cool is just the conversations I've been able to have with a lot of the folks at the game. So, you know, season ticket holders, young to old families, Mm. uh, kids, different youth organizations that have been in the game. I've had so many individuals come up to me and say, Hey, congratulations, or you're doing a great job, or best of luck, or hey, my name is so-and-so, this is my family, we're here at every game, um, we look forward to seeing you. So those those conversations and connections have really made me feel comfortable and made me feel like I've been kind of brought into that PC community as a whole. Uh, it's been awesome. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're a month in now, the season is still very young, obviously we have a big game coming up Saturday, uh, and then conference play, so I'm just super excited to see where it goes. Um, what connections and what networking and just organic things that can come from it and kind of where it'll take me. Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of getting a little deja vu talking to you and then having hope on a yeah. few uh, few months ago. Literally said the same thing, like the the families and the, the yep. ticket holders that go up to you and they're like, you've been doing a great job and that they've followed him throughout his whole journey. So I'm excited to see, you know, what what people come up to you and like what say like another five years or whatever it is yep. and they're like you know we've seen you from the first game now we're here at, you know whatever game it is five years ten years down the line wherever it happens so i mean super super cool i'm sure the experience has been amazing um i've always loved that public address aspect to be like the voice of of a team and um a little different for me i want to be like a broadcaster yeah. but it's still trying to like perfect your voice and trying to find your voice so I guess before PC, um, again with the with the Rhode Island Football Club that just started up, you got that opportunity. Um, maybe even before that, yeah. was there ever a passion to to be an on camera personnel or, or, or a voice of of something outside of sports or even with sports? Was what, what was that? How did that passion spark for you to be like? I want to be the voice. I want people to hear my voice, and I want to be known. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, you know, like many of us, and I'm sure you can relate, you know, as a kid, I wanted to grow up and I'm like, I'm going to be a professional athlete. You know, yeah, for me, right. it was baseball. You know, I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball my entire life. Um, I had an opportunity to potentially walk on and play baseball at URI. 
you know, had a great conversation with, with the folks there at the time. And they were very open and candid and said, hey, listen, you know, scholarship guys play. You know, walk on guys. You might. You might not. Hmm. It's a big commitment, you know, if you're willing to make the commitment, et cetera. And at the time, I said, you know what? I really want to enjoy my college experience. I love baseball. I actually tore my, my rotator cuff senior year of, of high school in baseball. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm really cut out for this anymore. So hmm. that was kind of my, my shift to, to something different. So naturally, you know, like many of us, I'll, I, you know, I, I'll never forget growing up and, and listening to the Stuart Scotts and the Scott yeah. Impelps and the Rich Eisens and, and all those, the Dan Patricks, all those folks we grew up on as kind of like the voices of our childhood. You know, to this day, I'll get in bed and I'll flip the pillar over and I'll think of Stuart Scott. You know, like th- those are the things that just as a kid, because I love sports so much and it was so ingrained in my upbringing and, and what I did as a kid, I was always playing sports, always watching sports. Um, so I always knew for me I wanted to do something sports related. And I think for me, when the connection came is when I got to URI as an undergrad, I didn't really know what I was going to go to school for. I knew I was going to go to school, but I didn't really know what. So I remember, you know, I went to, to URI thinking I was going to major in business. You know, I said, oh, well, you know, I'll open my own business one day. Why not? Uh, and the funny thing is I took, a, I took a math class. I don't forget. It was like math 114 or something. And it was like math on the computer. And I'm like, what, what is math on the computer? What does that mean? Like, it, it was not for me at all. And I was like, all right, let, what else can I do? What, what will I enjoy? And I remember I took a Com 100 class during TD summer. And that was always cool. I was like, wow, like communications is really cool. I've never mm-hmm. thought of it outside of just simply communication. You know, you communicate with the person, simple. But then thinking of all the different communication styles, you know, interpersonal, intrapersonal, uh, verbal, nonverbal, all different ways to communicate with folks. And also being in college, meeting people, I, I've, I understood the value of communicating and how you need to be an effective communicator, you know, to get the things you want or to advocate for yourself or other individuals. So I kind of said, okay, well, this is maybe a path for me. Let me let me go down communications. And I thought, I said, okay, well, maybe I can tie sports into this. And at the time, URI didn't have a broadcast journalism major. Mm. You know, they were just building up the – they had just announced the Harrington School of Media. Nothing had really started yet. Um, so it was a little too late for me in my undergrad in terms of having that path. But I still said, okay, well, I'm going to go down this comms road, take a lot of media courses, do those things, and see where I land. Mm. And I had a really cool opportunity my, my junior year to do an internship at ABC6. Uh, under the legendary Ken Bell, yeah. who is an amazing figure who kind of really took me under his wing and gave me some really cool opportunities um, to do some cool things and see some cool things and just learn from him and just pick his brain. I mean, the guy is is an institution and an encyclopedia when it comes to sports and also just a really great guy. Um, so it was really cool to build that rapport with him, have some connections, along with some other folks at the news station, John DeLuca, who's still there. Um, just great individuals who really just, just gave me a lot of really good nuggets and different things to learn and grow and understand myself. Mm. Um, actually, one cool thing and I, I remember mentioning this to the folks at the athletic department at PC. The first uh, opportunity I had at my own was when PC fired Keno Davis. And the, I remember they had press availability. The athletic director's time had press availability. We didn't have any sports reporters in the station. Mm. So they said, Josh, we're sending you and a cameraman to PC to go interview the athletic director. This is you at out. ABC? Yeah, this yeah. is me. So I'm like a 20, 20-year-old kid at the time. Mm. They're like, go interview the AD. You know, and I'm like, okay, sure, <laughs> I'll go. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. Uh, and I remember going with the cameraman and him being like, just do your thing. Just go for it. Uh, and I sat down with the AD, and I remember telling him, like, hey, I've never really done this before, so bear with me a little bit. And we had a great conversation. Um, interview ended up airing on, the, airing on the, the news on the station, and afterwards, AD was like, hey, you did a really good job. Like, you know, th- this might be something for you. So that always kind of stuck with me. You know, I finished up my internship, finished up school, um, and I kind of jumped right into education. That's kind of where things took me. It was my first job outside of school. Uh, and I did a lot, of, a lot of stuff while I was at URI. We helped kind of start. Uh, brotherhood there, Brothers on a New Direction, 
uh, is something we started, and we did a lot of giving back to the community, a lot of community service, going back into schools, working with kids. So, so education was natural for me, and I think because I felt like I could be an effective communicator and also wanted to give back to folks in my community or folks like myself. So I stumbled into education, but always in the back of my head, I said, one of these days, I- I'm going to... I'm going to take that leap. I'm going to take that jump. I'm going to try this, and I'm mm. going to get into it. Uh, and I had a podcast for a while with a good friend of mine. Shout out to, to Professor Coria. We did a really cool podcast for a while where we covered sports, and we did all those things. And that was kind of my outlet in a very kind of like unofficial, you know, as a hobby, as something I enjoyed. Um, but over time, you know, the wheels kept turning. I always had that itch. Mm. Uh, and I think really you know, the first opportunity was with the soccer club last year, and that was also very organic. You know, it was just communicating with folks. It was a connection I had through my day job. You know, that got me in front of those folks with the right people, and I just jumped at it. And it's funny because it's never in my life that I think I'd be a, a voiceover actor. And yeah. I still definitely don't consider myself a voiceover actor, but doing that was really cool. And seeing like, hey, no, you, you have a knack for this, or, or at the very least you have a passion for it, and that you can always take and, and shift and morph into something. So it was really, really cool. It's come together organically. I feel like I am kind of starting maybe a little later than most you know like i see all the stuff you're doing at this point i'm like this is amazing like mm-hmm. you're so far ahead of the curve already and i feel like for me it's one of those things where it's, it's it's not too late to jump in and try things and do things especially if you're passionate about it and you feel like you can do it mm-hmm. um which i've always felt like i could i just didn't really jump at the opportunities or you know seek out the opportunities and it's funny i i tell kids you know that i work with all the time or different folks it's like that opportunity is always going to come when you least expect it you're going to put all the work in you might expect that opportunity to come as soon as you kind of complete that work. That's not how it works. It's mm. at the weirdest moment or the rarest moment or when you're not expecting it that things kind of just drop in your lap. Yeah. And that's because of all the work you put in. It's just coming back to you at your time. Uh, and I think that's kind of what the last year has been for me. You know, doing those things, having the opportunity with the with RFC, now with PC, um, and trying to build out from there, making those connections, talking to folks, uh, being able to jump on a platform like this with you is just is awesome, and it's it's just really really enjoyable for me. And I feel like I have uh, so much in me that I that I want to do and want to get going. And I'm just excited to see where it goes, what opportunities I'll have, what opportunities I'll be able to you know create for myself and or put myself in position to be successful and really just enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean I'm a kid myself, but whenever I go to like high schools and like I've, I was just talking about this, I've spoke at uh, Bishop Hendrigan. Uh, grateful for that, and at my old school in Johnston, I was able to speak about the podcast. Was able to speak about about broadcasting and all that kind of stuff. And um, I tell them it's never too late because, like you said, like I'm Absolutely. I'm young, I guess, ahead of my time or whatever. And um, but now you have this opportunity with PC, yeah. so it's like if you never started, you know, you never would have been in that in that spot. And it's never, like I said, never too late to start because now you're in that position. And if you were just like, ah, oh, you know what, whatever, like it wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah. So. Yep. I always think about like my first opportunity at, at Rick. That's my that was the first school I went to, yeah. and um, I was trying to figure out all the student programs. Cause it, there was no sports media or sports broadcasting yeah. major. It was just mass media communications. Mm-hmm. It was just all communications. And I was like, all right, I'll, that's that'll be my major. And the, the 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 sports programs weren't great. I was trying to make it my own. I had this started up, and I was like, maybe I can bring something like that mm-hmm. or my voice from here to Rick. And I, I went to the assistant uh, SID who I used to go to high school with. And they put me on a public address game for Rick. And they were like, I brought, like, the corner three. I brought all this stuff yeah. to Rick. And they, they loved it. So I guess from that point on, it's like I always look at that as, like, my starting point. And now I'm still in school. And I don't know when the finish point's going to be, but yeah. I'm always trying to grow. And I think looking at you and from the little time that I've known you, I feel like every opportunity that you get has, has just been, like, night and day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's crazy because everything happens, like, so quick. And – 
like that PC turnaround, the, the football club, that, that all happened so fast yeah. in the course of like what, like a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, so. literally the, you know, the, the football club, the unveil and everything was literally last, uh, was last November. So right. we're, we're just about at a year. Uh, and I think you made a really, really good point in terms of, you know, taking that opportunity at Rick where in the moment, you know, they're right, you might be at a Rick game and there might not be a ton of people there, but you still put in the same caliber of work, whether there's one person listening or a hundred thousand listening. Mm. And that's where it starts because that's where you put in the reps and that's where you get the corner three and you have these things and you really test them out and try them out and can learn about yourself and how you're effective. And then it's going to pay off when everybody's listening because you've already put in the groundwork, you've already done the hard stuff. And now it's just kind of reaping the rewards and the benefits of it. And I think a lot of times folks either take that for granted or maybe aren't necessarily willing to you know, put that work in or, or find that starting point, right? Mm. Like it was hard for me to, to find a starting point. I was always waiting for, you know, the perfect opportunity or what felt right all the way. But that that's not realistic. Yeah. That's not how things work, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have uh, just kind of that foresight to see and say, hey, I'm going to jump into this. And I, I have complete confidence in myself that it's going to work out. But if it doesn't, I know what an alternative is. I know where else I can shift or what I can do and, and pick myself up. And I think a lot of times folks are scared to make that initial leap because mm-hmm. they don't know what's going to be there. Um, but I think if you have the confidence in yourself and you're willing to do the work and go back to the drawing board and understand what's being effective and what's not, at a certain point it's going to pay off. Right? Yeah. It, it might happen right away and you think, oh, wow, that was, that was easy. And it's like, well, no, how much work did you really put into that that, right. you, that you're not thinking of or that you're taking for granted or that was just very organic? Like that counts, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah, exactly. The some students at URI they come up to me and they're like, "Oh, how'd you get the opportunity with ESPN?" And it's like, it's not that easy. Where I was just like, "Yeah, can I get a game?" And they put me on a game. It's like they wanted to see something before I before I started. Yeah. So I had all my stuff from Rick and I applied. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you going. Throw you right into the fire with soccer." And then I was like, "I don't really want to call soccer. I don't want to call volleyball." But it like led me up to basketball. Yeah. And I was like almost like the head analyst for like the whole year. I had like a few play by play games, and then they brought me back this year. Now I'm a senior, and then I look back. I was just making my reel for, like, basketball. Like, I just updated it. Yep. And I, I took all the Rick stuff out. Like, it wasn't bad, but I'm looking back at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it sounds like, so much yeah, different. Yeah, you it's, night and day, probably. Literally, yeah. night and day over, what, a year and a half, yep. two years? And um, I don't know. Like you said, it's a testament to how much work you put in behind the scenes uh, and the little reps that, that go to it. Because everything is – like, this is a rep. I always say this is a rep. Yeah. Um, like editing is doing a rep. Like, if when I'm on Saturday, I'm going to be on the sideline filming something. That's a rep, even though I'm not – you know, that's not exactly what I want to do. It's still an ability that people want to see that you're able to do and it'll make the job opportunities like just widen. So, yeah. And I think that's the thing. And that's where I want to be more intentional about my work is, is the back end of things is mm. the capturing, the editing, the, the putting things together, because I think more, more than ever. And I think maybe it was heightened through COVID, but I think even before that is you, you know, even if you're on camera talent, you got to know what that looks like off camera. You got to yeah. be able to do that back end stuff. There's so many folks these days who do all of their own stuff, right? They shoot their stuff, they edit their stuff, they package it. Uh, and that's what sells, you know, mm-hmm. like anybody is going to be willing to take you um, if they know you can be effective on camera, but also if you can do things off camera right. that can Versatility. make yourself more valuable and, and put yourself in more spaces. And that's where I really want to work at and start to do. And I think, a lot of folks take that for granted. It's like, well, if I'm this, I'm only this, mm. or this is where I see myself. And it's like, that's great, but also what else can you do? What else can you bring to the table? Because folks want to invest in other folks who they know are versatile, who are willing to do the work, who are willing to, to go that extra mile and put themselves out there. And ultimately, it's just going to benefit you at the end of the day because now you're more valuable because you have more to offer. For sure. And for you personally, um, I love asking, like, again, athletes, coaches, whoever it is that I talk to, like I love like the memorable moments from everything that you've done. And this is so brand new. PC is so brand new. Um, 
throughout the first five games you've done, like something memorable that you've already taken away from it, uh, outside of like the relationships and uh, the people that you've met, but like an in-game experience, like that maybe you said something you're like, oh my god, it didn't sound good, or like you didn't think it sounded good, or like oh that sounded great, and you know you got a huge reaction, like there's something that is is already like stuck with you in only like the first week and a half of games yeah yeah so i had a uh i I think of one of my first games we had uh one of our games that we played during the time i was dressed like a friar right you know Mm. put the shorts on put the jersey put the (laughs) shoes on and our first two contestants contestants i I remember the name you know hunter and tyler uh and i remember just that stuck with me because i was like oh well these are the first two folks who i get to kind of build a rapport with and get to have a connection with and and one thing i guess i took for granted is i go to the games and obviously you see the you know you see the little ones with their jerseys and hype for the game and Obviously, they're excited to see the players and the coaches, but even, you know, they see me walking by with a microphone and like, oh, that was the guy who was on the big screen and they want to give me a high five or they want to shake my hand. And I'm like, that's cool. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, but now Hunter and Tyler, I, I see where they sit every game. So I've seen them the last few games and I always look up and give them a little wave and say hi. And, you know, it looks like it might make their day, but it makes my day because it's just really cool to have that. You know, also yesterday I was uh, standing over by uh, DJ Finesse. Shout out to DJ Finesse, who I know you just had on. He's the man. Uh, he's the man, the crowd favorite himself. Uh, and a, a gentleman came over who always comes by and says hello to him before games, who's a season ticket holder. Uh, Finesse introduced him to me, and he was like, hey, he's like, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. He's like, I've been all the games so far. He's like, you know, I, I've been here for years, so I saw the work Harry put in. Uh, and he's like, you are already so far ahead of the curve. You know, he goes, it's not easy to do this. Uh, it's not easy to just jump on a microphone in front of a folks you don't know and do a great job. And he's like, every game I've been here, I've seen your progress and how you've built and how much more comfortable you've gotten. Uh, and I think those are the little things that, that make me feel good, right? Because mm. I'm very uh, – I overthink a lot of things, and I'm very, very hard on myself. And, you know, I, I am very meticulous in terms of when I get my scripts. I like to sit down and make sure it makes sense and, you know, do my flashcards and have my system. Uh, and like you said, if I say something, you know, I'm always analyzing it. Did I say that? Did, was the inflection mm. right? You know, did I have the inflection on this word or that word or or nail all of my specifics? Um, and I think the the audience is the judge, right, or the folks you're working around or you know, even someone like Fred Carpano, right, who was there and, you know, calling the games. Uh, it, someone who's an institution, I grew up watching him, you know, to be able to see him and, and say hello to him or him come seek me out before after games. Hey, Josh, great job. You know, that goes a long way for me, you know, someone who's seen it and done it. And those have been kind of the little takeaways is those moments. And then also, you know, getting pictures from, you know, folks who are in attendance that I know uh, who just popped up to a game. You mentioned it, you know, you and and Brett and uh, El Ray and Jay Fades and everybody who was there uh, for that first game was mm-hmm. just awesome. You know, to see you guys show up, you know, for the game and also for, you know, for me was really, really cool and made me feel good. And I've had so many more of those folks or folks who reach out and say, hey, I want to go to a game now just because I know you're going to be there and I want to support you. And, you know, I can assure you I'm going to be one person who's going to be screaming loud for you. So that's been really cool for me to see kind of my network and my community really rally around me and support me in a new endeavor that I'm super excited about and, and can't wait to see it through. But also knowing that I'm going to need that support. And I'm going to mm. need that backing and I'm going to need those folks who I can bounce things off of and, and feel that support from them. It's just been it's been overwhelming, but mm. in, in the best way possible. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love when you know my family members or whoever is listening on espn plus or, yeah. or the radio or whatever it is and you know they're like oh you sound great and sometimes like you said you'll you'll, you'll be hard on yourself and you're like oh, I, don't, I don't think that sounded that good i think it was a little rusty this is that but so like the naked ear or the eye it's like it sounded great yeah. you know the average person listening is great but the people that for me at least matter the most is like the you know the people that are going to hire me yep. you know in the future but um you know i always critique myself i'm always doing notes always doing all this stuff and um but when people recognize it, it's cool to 
it's yeah, so it cool. feels so good. You know, if it, even like you know the the people who work at the arena, you know, the security guards or the mm-hmm. or the back staff. Like you know, I made it a point from the first day. You know, shake every hand, look everybody in the eye, for you know, sure. ask them for their name, introduce myself. You know, not taking for granted. Oh, they might see me on the screen, but I, I haven't introduced myself to them, mm-hmm. so they don't know who I am. So just being intentional in that you know now i kind of get in the arena i do my rounds i you know i go say hi to security guards and say hi to all the folks there just because that's important Mm -hmm. you know and and they are crucial to everything going well and and into the overall environment and you know i feel like i am i'm in their space in so many ways and instances you know i want to respect that and i want to understand that i want to you know i want folks to always see me and you know whether or not i have a an off game or you know a good game they're like well he's a good guy at the end of the day so for me that's always most important and i also think that's where those organic connections come from and that's where it kind of you know pay it forward as you may introduce yourself to someone shake their hand and they might get a good impression of you and now think of you down the line and i think that's how some of these things have happened for me in the last year is just very organic and just leaving a good impression uh, and, and leaving folks with an understanding of what my talents are, what I can do and what I can bring to the table. And if and when that time is right, them to be able to, hey, actually have someone in mind for that. Mm. That's that's the ultimate goal, you know? Exactly, because you never know who's going to open a door for you. Yeah. It's always like that. Like you got to always be, I mean, genuinely yourself, but like so like genuine and, and like, you know, that's how you get people's attention, not by being this like fake personnel but like yeah. like the the security guard in the ryan center who's always at like the media entrance always notices the shoes i have on yeah like, i like those kicks man i yeah. like those kicks i'm like i don't even know the guy's name but yeah. we talk every game exactly so like you never know who that guy could be or what yeah. he has like, you, you never know or, or where else you may see that person right mm-hmm. like you may be in a situation where you know that's the guy you walk by every day you don't say hello to god forbid you're ever in a situation where you need someone or something or you and him cross paths in a different setting and now because of that interaction it may that may change the interaction you're mm. in in the moment. You know, I always think about those things, and and I think a lot of it just has to do with my upbringing and how I was raised yeah. and the morals and values I have. You know, you know, you hear the saying, you know, respect the the janitor the same way you do the CEO, and like I, I really think that's true, and sure. I think that's important. You know, everybody um, has something they can bring to the table. You know, whether you can see it or not, whether you can hear it or not, right? Everyone has value, so I think it's important to always treat folks that way because. At a certain point, like you mentioned, you know, if you don't do things that way or if you don't carry yourself that way, eventually you're either going to miss some opportunities you didn't even know about or, God forbid, you may have opportunities taken away or something like that because you didn't put your best foot forward, right. you know, especially in Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a small state. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody <laughs> knows everybody. So naturally, like that's six degrees of separation in Rhode Island is like two degrees. Mm-hmm. So it's super important to always put your best foot forward. Always just be, you know, be on and, and not even on in the sense of like putting on a front, but just always being on and being intentional about the spaces you're in, how to adapt to those spaces, how to maneuver in those spaces um, to get what you need out of it, but also just to put your best foot forward. Definitely. And for you personally, outside of the, you know, the the PC stuff, the oh, well, not outside the PC stuff, but just outside of you being, um, you know, your career and the career path that you've taken, the background of the Friars and URI as a whole, because that game's coming up on Saturday. Yeah. Um, did want to get into like your background of the schools, like just growing up. So for me personally, it's kind of like flip flop. Like yeah. I grew up a PC fan, like lived in the dunk, grew up watching the Friars. Uh, I'm sure you did too, but you went to URI. Yeah. So um, again, a little different. Now I, I loved. I grew up watching PC. I also went to URI, and um, you know, just, did you did you grow up with the Friars or was it with the Rams? So it's funny, and, and I, I'm probably going to get in hot water here with my PC fans, but I actually grew up a diehard Duke fan. Okay. Uh, so so my older brother, you know, I, I've naturally taken a liking to all the teams my older brother did, mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, I wanted, in, in terms of college basketball, it was always Duke. You know, I always loved Duke, grew up watching Duke, 
since I can remember. You know, I was born in 89, and I swear to God I remember the 91 and 92 national championships. That's how invested I've been. So that's always been kind of my team, but naturally them being so far away and PC, URI being around the corner, um, I would always kind of keep tabs on that. And I think more so as a kid, probably more PC. One, because they were a little bit more successful at that time, but also they were closer. You know, Mm -hmm. it was easy to go down the road to the Civic Center from Pawtucket as opposed to going to Kingston. You know, the first time I was actually, I think the first time I was actually ever in Kingston is when I went up to URI to attend URI. Um, So I knew about it. Uh, You know, obviously I knew about, you know, Katino Mobley and Lamar Odom and those teams and and when they were really making noise. But I think for the most part, a lot of folks around here, at least in Rhode Island, naturally gravitated more towards PC. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always a little bit more competitive, playing in the Big East. You always knew they were going to play better competition. Um, and like you said, going to the Civic Center was just fun and easy as a kid. Like still to this day, I walk in, you know, I drive up, or I, now, you know, I walk in like the stage door and it's so different. But it's like, wow, I walk in, walk downtown, I walk into the arena, and I feel I get that like rush as if I was a kid again, you mm-hmm. know, walking in the first time and going through the curtains and seeing it. Uh, I still get that same type of feeling, which is awesome. I hope I never lose that. Um, but I think for me, it's probably more PC in terms of what I knew, what I followed, um, the players. Also, when I was a kid, Jeff Xavier was at PC. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a legend in Pawtucket, you know. So he was someone I remember, you know, hearing about and watching games. And him going to PC was such a huge deal. Um, so that was awesome. And kudos to Jeff. I mean, he's he's been at every home game this year. I've seen mm-hmm. him in all the games. So he's an unbelievable ambassador. So. I think it was mostly PC growing up. And then naturally, once I got to URI, then I was invested and, and had the opportunity to really take a liking to the basketball team. Uh, when I was there, they had some really good teams. You know, they didn't find the, you know, the success they were looking for. A lot of on the bubbles end up just missing, you know, first four out type thing, going to the NIT. Uh, they definitely did get robbed against North Carolina in the NIT that one year. Um, but it, I obviously was able to be more invested in them at that time. Uh, and really take a liking to obviously knowing some of the players, being on campus, building a report, it was easy to root for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and naturally, as an undergrad, I would root for URI when they yeah. played PC, those sorts of things. But I, I always kind of kept tabs on both just because I love I love the sport, you know, so it was easy to just enjoy and see. And obviously, it, you know, meant a little more, you know, turn on ESPN and see PC playing or see URI playing just because, you know, in Rhode Island, we don't always have the spotlight on us in a lot of ways. So when we did or, or when we would, it just felt cool. And you have that sense of pride regardless of which school it was. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that, like th- you make a great point. Being so close with these guys on campus, it's like, you know, you you have to root for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have a few guys in some of my classes and, um, you know, they see the camps corner stuff I do. They see the, the reels I make and they're like, oh, man, you sound really good. And that goes a long way coming yeah. from a player, you Absolutely. know, because, you know, sometimes – I remember at some like at Rick uh, when I left and I was at URI. I remember some players that I I kept tabs with and relationships with. They're like, man, it's like night and day with these people. Like yeah. you sound so much different, and um, it, it's really like you said, reassuring to you know have that relationship with yeah. them, and it makes you want to root for them even more. And um, the relationships are important. You know, I had a, a really yeah. cool opportunity also when I was at an undergrad at, U, at URI. I mentioned being a Duke fan, college basketball, college football wise. I'm a big Florida State fan. Um, so I had that passion, and actually I had the opportunity while I was an undergrad to work for as a recruiting uh, reporter for a website um, for Florida State kind of fan site. Uh, but we had some great traction. And my obviously, as the recruiting coordinator, I, my job was to build relationships with recruits. Um, so I was able to build, you know, Derrick Henry is one I always think of. You know, at that time, Derrick Henry was in high school. Uh, he was in Uli, Florida, and he was breaking every single record in the world. And I had an opportunity to connect with him and build with him and, and, and build a rapport. And I think that's when I you know, worked out for me. I was doing the comms classes. I love sports. And that was kind of my first introduction to covering things and mm-hmm. being a reporter and writing stories. Or, you know, we had this really cool connection where we were 
uh, the official site of ESPN Radio in Tallahassee. So I was able to go on the radio every so often, especially around National Signing Day, and do some reporting and be able to share and literally have my voice out there. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I was on. It was funny. Uh, all my family was obviously so excited, and they were like in the next room listening while I'm in the other room on the phone. And I'm like, "You guys got to keep it down." I'm like, literally trying to do this right now. But that was cool, and that was an opportunity to have those connections and build with people. And and I learned at that time, you know, obviously being an undergrad, I was so close in age to those recruits. We hit it off because mm. we had a lot in common. A lot of the reporters they may have been talking to might have been a little older, a little out of touch. Uh, but we really could hit it off because we literally spoke the same language, had the same interests, had the same hobbies. And I think that's where I understood the importance of building that rapport with whoever it is you're covering. Yeah. Because it's going to allow you to get that extra nugget that mm-hmm. they won't give the others. Right. Sure. That's going to you can get the story off of that because you have that relationship. Uh, so that's the importance of it. And I think obviously in your role, super important. You're covering the same people you see every day in a different setting. So that's another reason to put your best foot forward, to be out there, to build those connections. Because, uh, again, you don't know how it, you'd be able to pay it forward, especially in your case where you have now folks who are professionals who are coming back and want to sit down with you, want to talk with you. Um, sure, they could go talk to many different outlets, national mm-hmm. outlets, et cetera, but they trust that they can sit down with you, have a good interview, have a fair interview, have an enjoyable interview, um, and that's that's the takeaway. Yeah, and, like, I, I didn't interview them, like – like like something like this or like a quick thing on the court but when you or i came down to pc i'm sure you remember kyle lowry and jimmy butler were there yep. and it's kind of like uh, well jeff down has been there you know he shows his face a few times and he, he used to play for the raptors the, the warriors yep. played for a couple teams but um he's always super personable but like it's insane that for like nba players of that caliber um to kind of have the same i guess mentality and the same way they hold themselves as like college athletes because they used to be college athletes yeah. so like when i when i talk to these uh these guys that are on the team now and, and last year it was like when i was talking to kyle lowry it was almost kind of like the same thing mm-hmm. like he was so genuine and so nice and like oh like oh what do you do and i'm like talking to like an yeah. nba all-star right now nba champion and it was like it was the same thing and i think that it's gonna go a long way with some of these guys that might you know make careers for themselves yeah. so it's it's cool to see and looking back at that as a whole with uri and pc um I guess kind of get into the history now that the game is going to be on Saturday. Yeah. Um, just to build up to that, um, just talk about, I guess, you know, maybe like the history that you think of when you think of PC and URI and that rivalry. Yeah, it's funny. I think of the, the first thing I think of is my, my group of friends from URI. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had a, a group of buddies who are still my great friends to this day um, who I met, you know, when I first got to URI, my TD summer and the friends I have to this day, you know, folks who who's, I'm in their wedding, they're, they're going to be at my wedding. Though Those types of relationships that we have are so powerful, and a lot of them are from Providence. So they grew up PC fans. Uh, and it was always funny that, you know, that time of year would come around and we would all kind of, like, draw the line in the sand in terms of our allegiances, and it was always be split. You know, you have your PC group, you have your URI group, but it made it fun to watch. You know, so when we're on campus at URI and the game's there, it's fun to literally go into the Ryan Center and feel that atmosphere yeah. and be able to kind of bust the chops of your buddy who's sitting next to you who just happens to be rooting for PC that day, or vice versa. You know, all of us getting together and heading down to the AMP to watch that game. Uh, so when I think of, like, those two, I think of just Rhode Island. I think of those rivalries, in a lot of cases, sibling rivalries or family rivalries or, or coworkers. You know, it's always a cool thing to rally around. And obviously, URI and PC not being in the same conference is one of those things where it would be very easy to not play this game, right? There's so many. You see, I remember, like, Louisville and Kentucky. 
you know, having so many back and forth about continuing the tradition and playing and this coach did and this coach didn't or whatever, you know, URI, PC, and even now, you know, you have Brown in the mix. Those, they value playing those in-state schools because they know what it means to the community. You know, I think it's – and also it's bragging rights. Like a lot of these guys know each other. They play together in the summer or they get together and play pickup together. So to have that, you know, bragging rights for a year is just really cool. So I think it just – brings together all of the sports community in Rhode Island in a really, really cool way, but also gives you the opportunity to connect with folks that you might not talk to year round, mm. but that game rolls around and you're like, all right, well, I'm thinking of this person now because this game's about to happen or I know they're going to be watching. So let me send them a quick text just to mess with them, mm-hmm. you know, or if, you know, we win, let me do Let me go and bust their chops. So it's just, it's cool because I think it really brings the, the sports community and the basketball community here. And I think the history and the pageantry that go back so far, it's just really awesome. And I think of like generations, you know, folks, you know, especially going to games and you see, you know, granddad and you see dad and you see the little guy, you know, and that's just a, a tradition that's been passed on and passed on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that hopefully will continue to be preserved by both schools. Um, and it'll be a, hopefully a game that will always be fun and always be enjoyable. Maybe one of these days we'll get a one versus two matchup. Like, yeah. You know, that would be cool. Right. What do you think of this roster this year? I mean, I've been keeping up a little bit. Um, like I said, grew up PC, so yeah. I always keep my tabs and always focus on like how they're doing. But you know, you've had firsthand experience with it. Yeah, so. yeah. It's been really, it's been really cool to have a you know literal courtside seat for these games. And obviously, I'm working and I'm doing my thing. But the fan in me won't allow me to not look away from the action or, or be invested in what's happening. Um, so yeah, I think this PC team is is a really good team, and I think. They're just kind of scratching the surface and figuring themselves out, right? So now they're at six and one. Um, their one defeat was obviously in, in the Bahamas to K State in a tight game. You know, they went into overtime. Uh, so K State, a tough team. You know, always a tough team, scrappy, uh, really good coaching, etc. Um, but this PC team excites me. I think they, and I also think they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, I think most folks thought they might have been ranked by now. They're still not ranked. Uh, so I think they're certainly out to prove something Saturday, which it's a rivalry game, so everybody's out to prove something. I think you throw rankings out the window, you throw that other stuff out the window, but this team is really exciting. You know, I think Coach English has come in. Uh, it's crazy to think he's only a year older than me, you mm-hmm. know, and I remember him at Missouri. You know, I, I vividly remember him. It was the Big 12 tournament. He won tournament MVP, uh, and he went nuts in that in that year, that game, that tournament. Uh, I remember, you know, his obviously his professional career. So when he was, you know, when he signed on to come to PC, obviously he hadn't had this gig yet. But I was excited, just you know, as an outsider, like, wow, it's really cool, young up and coming coach. I think he'll really, really, you know, grow with the community and be ingrained in it. So I've kind of saw that, and I think the team is is kind of taking on his mentality. Every game, there's three, four, five times a game where you got multiple guys diving on the floor, and the whole bench is up, and they're cla- and Coach English is leading the charge. So the team is, I think really kind of still figuring themselves out. Obviously, you have Bryce coming back, who is all-American caliber, you know, lottery pick caliber player. But I think he had a little bit of a slow start to the season. I think it actually benefited the rest of the team. So you have other guys like Josh Adoro or Ticket Gaines or um, Corey Floyd Jr., who've been able to really step up and do some different things. So I think they're kind of rounding in shape. Last night's game was huge. They completely dominated Wagner at one point, went on a 19-0 run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're they're still figuring it out. I think they're scratching the surface. But I think they can make a lot of noise this year. Obviously, coming off of all the success they had this year, you know, I think with a couple of the departures, one of those departures being Coach Cooley, I think some folks were like, well, we got to kind of wait and see with this group. Yeah. Understandable. Um, but I think, you know, obviously with the K-State loss aside, they've handled business. They've done everything. They had a scrappy Wisconsin team come into the amp. Now, Wisconsin is maybe not where they typically are, but Wisconsin's always going to be good. 
always going to be tough, always going to be physical, always well coached. And they handled them easily. Uh, so I think this this Saturday would be interesting. And then, you know, they have Brown following that. And then, you know, they got Marquette coming in a couple weeks. You know, could be a number one ranked Marquette team. That'll obviously be the test. That'll be the barometer. But I think the sky is the limit for this team this year. I think with each game, the depth is growing. You know, I think they can go eight, nine deep if they want to. Long, athletic, physical, ticket gains, knock down seven threes last night. Um, so I think they're in a really good spot for Saturday, but also just moving forward to position themselves well in the Big East and ultimately when tournament time comes around. Yeah, I saw that John Fanta had his like his fan of five, like his yeah. top five guys, and Odora was like at the five yeah. spot. And I remember watching him when he was at George Mason mm-hmm. because Cam English taught, Cam, the, yeah. uh, taught there. He coached there yeah. last year, and that was my first year covering the Rams. And yeah. watching Josh, I was like, you know, I obviously do my prep work, and I'm like, oh, he's like their best player, averaging a double-double, um, you know, a uh, ten something like all all defensive team at one point pro- probably like an all conference player too yeah. at one point, um, but then he makes the switch to PC with Kim English and mm-hmm. I'm like that, that you got to watch out for Odoro he's gonna be great he's gonna be good I, yeah. I I honestly think he's been the best player for PC thus far you know mm-hmm. Bryce obviously gets the headlines because he's awesome and and he's really I think the last couple of games Bryce has really arrived and asserted himself but Josh has done the same you know I remember a couple the Friday night game. Um, Bryce, I think at one point I looked up, he had 25 and then I look up, you know, on the scoreboard, Josh had 29 mm. and it was like a quiet 29, quiet. a sneaky 29, which Down is low. always, yeah. yeah, which is always nice to see, but he's so, he's got good hands. He's got good feet. He's physical, but he's not just physical. He's not a big brute down there. He mm. can move. He runs the floor well. Obviously, a veteran who knows what he's doing is a good leader on the team. So I think he arguably has been the best player thus far this year for yeah. the Friars. See, that's for me, watching you awry throughout the course of the season so far. It's only been seven games. Yep. Undefeated at the Ryan Center, so they've been playing great at home. They just beat Yale. Yep. And Yale, uh, again, under uh, Coach James Jones, Probably like the best coach in Ivy League history. I mean, he's been he's been great, and, and they play really good ball in the Ivy League. They man. do. They like, do not get enough credit. They play really good ball in the Ivy League. This kid, his name was David, or I think David Wolf was his name, and he was a big man. He was like seven feet tall, but he was quick. He was like a combination of like Porzingis and like Jokic. Yeah. He was just quick on his feet. He could shoot the ball. He was great down low, quick feet, uh, footwork, and you are right. Like in throughout the course of the season, they haven't played great in the paint on on both ends of the ball. Like it's whether it's missing someone down low who has position, or they can't grab boards, or they're just letting guys score, mm-hmm. or maybe not even just letting guys score, but they're there, but the guys are just nothing they, that, can do. nothing they can do, just better offense. And my biggest takeaway is going into this game, if they can stop like Odoro and the guys down low, it's going to be a close game because yeah. they just beat a, a team like Yale with big guys, more big guys than I think PC has, and I think potentially, if not like the same competitive nature as PC. Yep, and. They and, just the, beat and, home. and their wings and, and wings and guards are tough. Yeah. So I think in that case they match up well with mm-hmm. PC. I think yeah, to your point, the X factor is going to be down low. Yeah. You know, can you get Josh off the block? Can you get him to move defensively? Can you go at him and possibly get him in foul trouble or get him moving out of the paint a little bit? You know, I think obviously your eyes going to have to be very creative Saturday in terms of the, what they run, their sets, you know, what they do defensively, different looks that they throw at PC. Um, to be able to stay competitive. I think it will be a competitive. It's always a competitive game, yeah. you know, but I think obviously I'm sure Vegas, you know, has PC, you know, up in, in terms of what they think the game will look like. But mm. again, rivalry games, you just never know. Exactly. And like, I look at PC's roster. I look at URI's roster. URI has the bigs like to match up with Odoro yeah. and those big guys. A uh, few lesser experienced guys. I mean, this uh, kid, his name is David Fuchs. He's, mm. he played overseas. He's a true freshman because he's never played at the collegiate level. Um, I think he's from – I should know this off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's like Germany in that area. 
So Could he's be been wrong. playing against pros for right. probably years and years now. Right. He's, yeah. I think, uh, still early 20s, but this is his first uh, – he's technically a, a true freshman. Yep. And, you know, there's been spurts of him having trouble with ball security, but he's a solid big down low. Um, another one like Tyson Brown. He's, uh, I think, a junior. Came from Florida. Another solid guy that yep. I think he, that can guard Josh. Somebody that is going to – like somebody like Bryce Hopkins. I don't know who's going to match up with yeah. him on URI's roster. There's uh, Zeke Montgomery, who's their leading scorer. He's been – their most consistent player throughout the year. He's at, I think, like 6'4", I want to say, 6'3". Mm-hmm. How tall is Bryce? <sighs> Bryce? Because he's, he's a big dude, but he's, he, can, he lost a lot of weight, and he, he can move. He, he, he can move well. I think he's probably, I, I think in terms of what he's measured in at, 6'7". Yeah, so um, I just don't know. But you always know with that. It's, like, it's funny because you think of, like, I think of a guy like KD who always says 6'11", when we know is 7'1", mm. and then typically you have it the other way where guys are like, oh, I'm 6'6", six, six, and it's like, yeah, you're 6'3". Yeah. Um, but I, he's, he's, he's got true NBA size yeah. and length. So That's why I'm just like, I don't know who's going to match up with Bryce. That might be, like, their true... They're and I wonder, problem. and I, f- I forget his name, but I remember seeing the clip recently. Uh, they call him the Bulldog. Jaden House. Yes. So I wonder. I know he's a little smaller, but mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe you put someone like him on Bryce, get in his chest, and just, just upset him, get him on a rhythm, you know, just kind of beat him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if maybe that's what they think about doing. They don't have, like, when I think of their defense, um, it's kind of like how they move the ball on offense, like, around on the perimeter. It's quick. Like down low, once it gets down low, it kind of gets a little choppy. But yeah. once they figure it out, they look good and yeah. they look smooth. On defense, it's the kind of the same way. They look like a well-oiled machine, but it's like they don't match up right. It just from my like perspective, it's just for in PCs like too in that atmosphere, it's going to be tough to, like I said, match up with Bryce, match up with guys that are bigger, but they have the same hustle mentality as PC, yeah. like you mentioned. Yep. There are always guys diving on the, on floor, the floor, and that's what Coach Miller always preaches, and I see him. And he talks about it all the time in the press yeah, conference. That's room. his personality. Yeah, like, is that, they've that grit. His yeah. personality. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be the X factor for URI. Is you have a coach in Archie who's coached in tough environments and hostile environments, who's seen it all, done it all at the collegiate level, you know, maybe he's the deciding factor. And obviously Kim's still building up and doing his thing, but, like, Archie is the veteran, right? When they went against each other in the A-10 a lot. So, yeah. yeah. So, like, imagine, you know, what they know about each other, but also Archie, what Archie's seen and done. You know, the, the coaching could be the X factor, you know, putting guys in the right spots, understanding matchups, understanding how to get your guys in the best spot to be successful. You know, I don't think enough can be said about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, um, scoring-wise, too, like, um, I know, obviously, Bryce and Josh do a lot of the scoring. Who have you seen? Because I haven't kept up with yeah. it so much, but who else have you seen that contributes in scoring for URI? Uh, obviously, Jaden House. He's yep. a, he's the bulldog. He, no. he gets down low and he's he's gritty as well. Uh, Zeke Montgomery is our top scorer, and I think after him, it's either Louis Courtright, who's a transfer from Quinnipiac, mm-hmm. and Jeremy Fumina, who's a big man from um, Canada, and he redshirted last year, didn't play, but he's playing solid minutes yeah. off the bench. So those are like our four guys that you know they they put a lot on the board and. For PC, who was outside of Hopkins and, and Odor? Yeah, so I think outside of Bryce and Josh, you know, the first thing I think of is Devin Carter, you know, another for, yeah, guy who sure. can just catch fire immediately. And I was actually – I was talking to one of the security guards at yeah. the game uh, who's actually a buddy of mine, Josh, um, and we were talking about the game the other day and how Devin's been a little quiet lately. Um, and we were talking about – he was saying, he goes, yeah, you know, in my experience of – you know, he's the guard right at the tunnel right behind the bench. So he has, he's like, Devin's that kind of guy once he hits one or two – that's it. He just feeds into it, loves it, and just can't miss. So he's had a couple of those games early in the year where he had that. He was a little quiet last night. You know, he didn't need to do much. But he's another one who can get going. You know, a tough guard, gritty, can get in the paint, will knock down open shots, is not afraid to jump up and defend one of the better wings or better guards. So he's someone who I think, 
now is kind of in that third spot, but he can easily erupt and, and be the leading scorer or be the, the most effective player on the floor. Tiki Gaines, seven threes last night, yeah. you know, was two away from tying the record, had seven with like eight minutes left in the second half. It wasn't a 40-point game. He probably breaks that record. So he's hot right now. Jaden Pierre, who was a little banged up a couple games ago, didn't play, but worked his way back in yesterday. And I think the, the, the player who I think is taking a lot of folks by storm is Garway Duall. He is this freshman, uh, just an NBA body, NBA skill, NBA, you know, variables and things he can do. Long defender is not afraid to go and defend that best guy on the other team will affect the game in so many different ways. So I think those are probably the other names. You know, that's kind of like their top six. Uh, Dual started the last couple games, but he can also come off as that six man. Uh, and then someone who's interesting too is, is Slim Castro, right? Yeah, young man from the DR uh, who's come in, super tall, athletic freak. Yeah, he he's still kind of, yeah. you can tell he's still kind of figuring it out mm-hmm. in terms of his body and where he needs to be. But he's someone who I think could really, really be effective for them down the stretch, especially if you have someone like Josh who's banged up or in foul trouble. He can come in, especially around the rim, be a rim protector, run the floor for you, finish lobs, those sorts of things. Um, so I think. They, they, there's a plethora of guys. I think any one of those top six can, at a moment's notice, be the guy. Um, but I would say, looking at Saturday, I mean, outside of Bryce and Josh, I would really expect Devin Carter to show up and have a hell of a game. Yeah, I remember him being a problem last year yep. when they were at the Ryan Center. Um, wasn't a close game, but I think I think this year is going to be a little bit more competitive just so because too. of how much of a more well-rounded roster that URI has. Mm-hmm. Um, watching them the first uh, four games of the season – Playing a little bit lesser competition, but they looked like like they're on the same page. Last yeah. year it was it was tough. I mean, they had the I thought personally they had the guys, you know, like players like Ish Leggett and yeah. um, a young guy like Sebastian Thomas coming from yeah. around. Like they had they had the pieces, but it just didn't seem like throughout the year that they could gel together. And it was Archie's first year, so it's yeah, it's, it's understandable. It did. It seemed to, it, just from you know, I, and I didn't watch all the games last year, but I always try to watch when I can. That yeah, I think that was it. They seemed disjointed. You know, it seemed like five guys out there as opposed to one unit. Uh, at times, and again, I think a lot of it, you know, like you mentioned, Archie's first year. You know, it's it's tough to, to emulate your mindset exactly, and what you and, want and in put your, your stuff in and get guys to buy into what you're doing. You know, it, yeah. it might it's not a bad thing. You know, you have a coach. You know, I think of like you know Cooley leaving and Kim English coming in. You're going to want to do things different in your way. Not to say that the other way is bad, but this is how you do things. This is how your nature. This is what you do as a coach. This is what you expect from your guys. So that takes time. You know, and I think especially in the college basketball land slate, but guys move around so quick, and it's hard to build a team over two, three, four seasons. Uh, it accentuates that, and also just puts a puts a spotlight on how hard it is to build a team and get them to come together quickly. Mm. A lot of times, it might not happen until the second half of the season, and then it's like, all right, is it too late now? And then off season comes, and you hit the reset button because guys leave or guys transfer, different things happen. So it's really hard to to get that chemistry. And I think now, to your point you'll start to see that more with URI. I think especially once they get into conference play and they start to see teams and folks that they saw last year and can make those adjustments and know, okay, when we play you know, Dayton or when we play these teams, this is what they're going to expect. This is what they're going to do. So I think now under year two of Archie, I think that's, you'll see that leap and you'll see that jump. Yeah, and like I said, with the the lesser competition they've played, they still look solid the first four games. Um, and then they go to Mohegan Sun. So we traveled, yeah. we went there, and, and we broadcasted the games on the radio. They played um, Washington State and uh, Northwestern. Northwestern was the first game. They were down 22-2 to two in the opening minutes. So mm-hmm. we're like, hey, this is going to be a blowout the rest of the yep. game. They fought back. They were only down by seven at half. They cut it to as close as four. So like, they came back and they showed like they showed some promise. 
Then they play uh, Washington State, and they got blown out. So it's like that was their like really true test. Yeah. And it still wasn't like considered like away. It was like a neutral site for yeah. all teams. But right now they're five and two. They came back. They played uh, Johnson and Wales again. D three team, mm-hmm. lesser competition. Shout out to Arius. Yeah, Arius dropped Shout thirty. Like yeah. I saw awesome. before the game. Yeah, he was he was great. Um, few good calls. I sent it to him. Like, yeah, he loved yeah. So I loved. I yeah. loved that it was on the reel. That was that was awesome. Yeah, he loved them. But again, like going back to that competition wise, like. Um, then they play Yale, and you expect like, oh, they played tough teams at Mohegan. They're gonna get blown out. Yeah. They kept it close with Yale the whole game. Once they took that lead, I don't think they they lost it since that. They kept it with it, and the Ryan Center was just electric. That's the thing, man. That place can can be an awesome atmosphere. You know, mm-hmm. I think back to some of the games I had there, some of the tight games in the A10. You know that they'd have with the Dayton's. It seemed like every year, you know, you had those tight games, and that you know when they're playing well. When they get the crowd there, when they get folks to rally around them, that is one hell of a home atmosphere. Mm. Students show up, you know, the alumni show up. Everyone does a great job of really packing it in there. Uh, so there's something to be said about it. And I, I think, obviously, as the team continues to build and get better, you're going to have more and more folks who are going to come back, who are going to support them uh, and really have that home court advantage. You know, like I look at the Amp, and it's such a such an advantage playing at the Amp and having that you know, big arena and having so many folks in there and just the atmosphere that mm. that finesse builds and that I'm trying to step into what Harry was doing and building and having that. Um, there's a lot to be said about that, especially at the college level where, you know, you might go to some places and you might be in a little hole-in-the-wall gym. You know, some places you go with bigger, big, you know, arenas, but sometimes those big arenas feel hollow and they don't have that same type of atmosphere that you would get on campus. But I think that's where the AMP and PC is really unique where – they were able to kind of bring those two together and really make it a, a, a place that's tough to go play in, but also a place that you, if you're a competitor, you want to go in there. You know, like I think of last year, Tyler Kolick going in there and, mm. and just going crazy, being a Cumberland kid and coming home and Was that you know, that game? Yeah. literally just being there and like just talking shit to people as he goes down the court. Like you love that as a competitor, you want to go into an atmosphere like that because you want to silence everybody. So it's just cool from every perspective. I experienced that in high school. <laughs> Dropped his 1,000 career point on us, and then his, uh, his, his teammate, Jackson Zankin. Jackson, um, yeah. So I, I coached against them. So yeah. I was I coached at Shea. It was uh, Tyler's freshman year. They actually beat us in the D2 championship. We had beat them during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had we had gone undefeated. We didn't lose all year. Uh, and we literally lost two games the entire year. It was the D2 championship, two Cumberland. Literally those two kids. And then the <laughs> state championship game um, against uh, Hendrickson. Those mm. are the only two we lost all year. So it was funny because at the time, Tyler was – it was his older brother who mm. was the you know the better player in the right. family and who everybody came to see. And mm-hmm. Jackson was also really, really good too. Um, and then Dante. Dante. Dante was on that yep. team as well who was, who was a beast. Uh, so they they were a fun team to play against, and we knew Tyler was going to be good. You know, just a freshman, you see this little scrawny kid coming out, but just knocking down every Nasty. shot and and warm ups. So it's cool to see his trajectory. Like I think that was really awesome to see how we built from Cumberland to St. George's to George Mason. You know, now to Marquette, and now you know, arguably the best team in the country, arguably the best point guard in the country. You know, Big East Player of the Year to be like, yeah, that's a kid from down the road. That's really cool. Insane. You know, yeah, really cool to look at, and um, that's kind of how. A lot of these players, um, again, maybe not coming from Rhode Island, but putting, like, the state on the map. Like, this kid, like, someone like a, you know, like a Bryce Hopkins or a yeah. Devin Carter, like, just playing so well. It's like, you know, I can root for them. They're my hometown yeah. team. It's cool to look at. I mean, somebody like Tyler that I think of is, like, Sebastian. Yeah. Know, he's at UL, yep. you know, doing his thing. Like, just somebody that's from Rhode Island. They're doing their thing, and they're playing at a D1 level. It's, it's so cool to see. 
Um, yeah, and I think now more than ever we're seeing it. You know, oh, like yeah. football and basketball. Football. You know, you look at yeah. college football and you see all the different guys from here. You know, you see Quiddy Pay, who's now in the league and doing all the things he does. Or you look at, a, you know, Xavier Trust, who's at Georgia, who, who will be drafted next year. And you're seeing that. And it's cool because you see, you know, the grassroots programs. You know, you, you have like R.I.L.E. and you have Breakthrough and you have all these different organizations and groups that are giving kids opportunities never had before. You know, like it was never a thing to be a kid from here to be able to travel and play seven on seven or play AAU and play in the be- the best leagues in the country. That was never a thing before. And I think now you're seeing that we there's so much untapped. There has been so much untapped potential here because kids never had those outlets. Now they're getting those opportunities and outlets and being able to compete on a national level against some of the best players in the country. Mm. And you're seeing it pay dividends and you're seeing our guys stack up at every level with those guys. Yeah, for sure. And going back to the PC and, and URI, the rivalry, we talked about how the rosters are, how they're looking. Um, you know, very excited again as we talked about it. But your score prediction, you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be some complications for me personally. Um, just after watching that Yale game and after watching all of them click. Um, and again, I'm a little biased, but you know, my guys always show me love on Instagram. Yeah. All like they're always on all the they see all the reels, so. That goes a long way, you know, again, having that connection in class. But just, again, watching that Yale game and how they were able to finally click against a true, like, yeah. test. I mean, PC does put up numbers, but I'm going to say final score, 76-72 URI. Okay, and that's that's close. So I would uh, what just popped in my head was 78-69 PC. So I was thinking the same. I think it'll be a lower-scoring game, mm-hmm. naturally. I can totally imagine that first, that under-16 timeout, the score being like 4-2. Or even like that under-12 timeout, the score is like 8-4 because it's just – It's going to be a battle It's just going to be a there's battle. Be guys exactly. I think everywhere. there's going to be bodies on the floor. It's going to be tough. You know, we might even get a couple guys in each other's faces. You know, all in good fun, hopefully. Nothing nothing too crazy. But but that's also – I think that's the game, type of game we want to see. You know, that's the fun. I do think it'll be close 100%. Um, I think PC pulls it out. I do. You know, I think they have the horses and I think they have the depth and also just I think the crowd is there'll be a lot to say about the crowd. Obviously, there'll be a ton of roadie fans there. We know that. Um, But I think the environment will be rocking. I think PC pulls it out, but I think closer than the experts expect, you know. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of um, media guys there, fans as well as what? Over thirteen thousand, yeah, something yep. like that. Yeah, place gonna be. There's gonna be there's fourteen thousand seats there. There's not gonna be one open. Yeah, it's gonna be an amazing atmosphere. Probably the the biggest atmosphere uh, as far as working a game that I've been able yeah. to be a part of. So I'm excited for that. Same for me. I yeah. I can't wait. I mean, I've been thinking about it and excited, and you know, I've kind of had this one circled, obviously on yeah, the schedule. You know, as more of a sentimental game, but also this, you know, the amp's gonna be rocking. This is gonna be for me, kind of a a quick insight into what Big East play is going to look like and what it's going to look like when Marquette comes and St. John's comes and, and Creighton comes and Villanova and UConn. Like, this is, I feel like, going to be kind of like George. Oh, that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anybody's ready for that game. Um, I I fear what's what uh, some of the students are going to say yeah. and do and think that game. Yeah, I would be scared. Um, it's going to be wild. And also, it's like, Ed is from Providence, so he's going to have a lot of friends and family and all that at the game as well. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting, interesting dynamic. That's obviously another one I've had uh, circled on the calendar. Super excited! I'm going to be in the arena for that, but also have that courtside seat to be able to view it. Um, but then even also like St. John's coming in, Rick Pitino, you know, who used to coach here, who I don't think has been here in mm. in decades, is going to be awesome to come in. And then last week of the season, back to back Saturdays, Villanova in Connecticut. You know, so like that. It's just there's so many fun games to look forward to, and Big East plays always good because. Any random Tuesday, you're gonna have a team come in who's gonna be ready to punch you in the mouth and play good ball. And if you're not ready, you, you know they're gonna take it. 
We talked about our history with you, Orion PC. We talked about the current roster, kind of recapped all that stuff. Um, your PC roster, all-time roster, yeah, head coach and a starting five. It could be, again, sentimental. I know we have our list. So your top or your, your, starting, your PC all-time starting five along with the head coach that you think is, you know, one considered the greatest and has the most sentimental value to you too. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, uh, if I had to go coach – I'm going to go Coach English. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of great coaches. (laughs) This one is obviously a little more sentimental and looking towards the future because I really Mm. extremely unbiased. I think Coach English is going to be a hell of a coach. I think he's so young. He gets the kids. He understands it. He's still so close. I mean, he can can put a uniform on Saturday and go out there and get 30. You know, like he's still capable of that. I'm really excited for what he's going to build and what he's going to do. Obviously, there's been so many great coaches, you know, over the years. We mentioned Patino, Rick Barnes, obviously Coach Cooley who did – an amazing job turning that program around. I think obviously now naturally a lot of folks have PC fans have their feelings and totally you know rightfully so how they feel, uh, but you know he really rebuilt that thing back up and mm. put it in an amazing space. And I think also you know being a kid from Providence, a Central High School grad, to come mm. back and do that uh, must have felt amazing. And I think it was a sense of pride for a lot of folks. But I'll go Coach English just to kind of you know give a little nod to the future. And then I think for me, I'm thinking of some folks. I know I mentioned his name earlier, but Jeff Xavier has got to be on my five. You mm-hmm. know, growing up as a kid in Pawtucket, seeing him at PC, you know, for a lot of us, it's like that felt unattainable, you know, to be able to do that, be on national television and go have the pro career that he's had um, all these years. He's got to be on there. Another one that, you know, as a kid growing up and also I think it's just like a cult hero is God Sham God. Uh, hell like, yeah. you, you got to have God hell Sham yeah. God on there. I remember seeing that, you know, the Sham God move itself. You know how many players have done that, uh, and actually, there's a player on my URI team who is very has a very famous clip of doing the Sham God in the pickup mm. game. Uh, so I got to go him. Another one who I think for me was one of the first PC players, and I, you know I mentioned some of my earlier memories are that Austin Crozier team who made that amazing run. But the name that really stuck out to me outside of Jeff was Ryan Gomes. Like mm. Ryan Gomes was just so steady and so solid, and so many ways is just kind of like the epitome of a friar. So he's got to be on my five. Uh, fourth guy, we mentioned him earlier too, uh, off cam was Bryce Cotton. Yeah. Do it all. You know, he's literally like, he could have a statue at PC because of all he's done, all he put into the program, you know, the hell of a career he's put together as a pro. Um, I think he really is the epitome of Friar basketball in so many different ways. And then for the fifth one, I took it way, way, way back to arguably, probably just bar none skill across the board, best player to ever put a PC uniform on, Jimmy Walker. Like, he was amazing. I mean, he was, and I think he still is the all-time leading scorer at PC. Was exceptional, just so far ahead of his time as as a basketball player. So he's someone who was amazing. Um, you know, I thought about having Marvin Bonds on there for a little. We, obviously, with the connection, close. But then also, if I had to put a six-man on there, because I feel like I have to, I definitely got to give some love to my man, Ricky Lito, mm-hmm. who never played a minute at PC, um, but was still drafted. Yeah. After literally sitting out entire, that's how good he was and how much just raw talent and skill he had. Uh, his high school career was just absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, in Slam Magazine, going up, playing against the best in the country and holding his own, arguably the best scorer in his re- recruiting class his senior year. Obviously never p- had the opportunity to play at PC, but to, the fact you could go your whole freshman year and not play and still get drafted, mm. uh, you know, had a stint with your Knicks uh, and, and <laughs> had a you know amazing career overseas, still playing, still extremely effective, mm-hmm. uh, and also just a really good guy. So I, I, I got to throw him in there as kind of like my sixth man. Yeah. I didn't know – I didn't do a, a PC roster. Gotcha. Um, but, again, like I said, like – my the two guys, or I should say three, maybe even four, the guys that I loved watch growing up as a kid, Bryce Cotton, the Dante Hinton, 
Chris Dunn and Ben Bentzel. Those yep. guys are like for me the pinnacle of like my childhood watching college basketball. Those those are the guys that I grew up watching just yep. uh, in the dunk every weekend. Like Chris Dunn, especially and Bryce Cotton, just remember like just flashes of them just all over the place. But yeah, I was so um, excited that year. Ricky sat out. I really think if him and Dunn were out there on the court together. The, the like just the excitement of thinking that was going to happen and like what they could have done together. Oh, no yeah. pun intended. I think that would have been <laughs> awesome. And it's funny you still see so many. You know, it was a cool uh, Utah Jazz throwback. Chris Dunn throwback in the arena mm-hmm. last night, and you see, you know, the Bryce Cotton, you know, pro jerseys. Like it's still nice to see those and and be able to say like, yeah, these guys came through here. Oh you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, and for me, um, for URI, uh, thinking it back. Um, I know so many people at URI that are so infatuated with the history. Yep. I got to admit, I'm not a history buff, so I don't know super like super into like the history stuff. But my coach is uh, is Frank Keeney. Uh, he's you know Keeney Jim. Yep. So much history back there. Keeney Blue. Keeney Blue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's like oh Columbus or like for regular people. <laughs> it was a uh, ESPN had a cool little story during football season. So they do is do like a jersey. The jerseys, yep, when they yep. did the all Keeney Blue uniform, they actually did like the history lesson of mm-hmm. how he created the color. I thought that was really cool to see that on ESPN was really really cool. Right, and like I said, like the regular person would be like, oh yeah, Columbia Blue. If you're from Rhode Island or in the Kingston area, it's Keeney Blue all the time. Yep. Um, but an, an honorable mention or like an assistant coach got to be Dan Hurley. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. His real, his first true stretch as a head coach. He started at Wagner. Yeah, I was there for like th- mm-hmm. like two years, and then you arrived before, of course, going to UConn, being a national champion, um, was the start of his his coaching career. So I would say Hurley as my assistant at the point guard. I got Silk Owens. Um, had him on my, on my podcast. Great guy. Um, obviously was in the part of the teams in the '80s that were super successful yeah. at URI, uh, along with my two guard Tom Garrick. Yep, and then of yep. course the three Catino Mobley. Um, at my four, Kenny Green, also a part of the teams with Tom Garrick and Silk. And at my five, of course, got Lamar Odom. Yep. Got to have Lamar. You have I mean, to have Lamar in there. That's self-explanatory. But, yeah, honestly, like I said, not so much as a history buff in the URI sense, but no, you know, enough to be like, yeah. those guys are good. And, like, recognize them. Like, they had the Ring of Honor ceremony last year, and it was it was Silk, Silk and Tom, Garrick, right? and, yeah. and Kenny Green. Yep. And I had Kenny and Silk on the podcast. Awesome. They remembered me. And this year it's going to be like uh, Catino. Um, can't think of the other two guys off the top of my head, but I know they're going to be coming back in the Ryan Center when they play Brown. Nice. That's always the it's either it's either. And that's coming. Is that what's that next week? Next week next they play week, Brown. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure like they're going to start doing like a tradition like that, like the Ring of Honor, and like start hanging up these jerseys. I remember Kenny Green made it a point where. There's no jerseys hung up in the yeah. Ryan Center, and then this year was the first year they had those three, and they're gonna try to make that a point. They should, yeah. And I, I got, I put my mind together, and there's definitely somebody, well, a couple guys on here who need their jersey hung up in the rafters. And for me, the first one, and it's, it's funny. This is, you know, I, I mentioned Ryan Gomes being one of those guys who I really kind of attached to PC. Tyson Wheeler was that guy at URI for yeah. me. Tyson Wheeler was, it, you know, it's funny. I actually had a. Uh, like a jersey made up, uh, URI, uh, the alternate, the blue, the navy blue with the Keeney, just because I wanted to rep Tyson Wheeler, just because he was like so so cool as a kid, so smooth. His jumper was just awesome. He was like kind of that same thing for me, URI. Mm. Uh, and then similar to you, I got Silk Owens on there. You have to have Silk. Um, what he did, obviously, I feel like he was so far ahead of the game in terms of what he did in the eighties and like the style of basketball he played. And obviously, Garrett being there at the same time, he's someone who had to be on the list. Um, another one for me is, and this is actually, this will be a player and coach, Jim and Jimmy Barron. 
So Jim Barron would be my coach because I was there when he was there, and I loved watching him on the sidelines, working the refs, working the guys. It was always just fun to watch him out there, especially coaching his son, seeing the interactions from Jimmy, who was just an absolute sniper. Like every time Jimmy put a shot up, you didn't think he was going to miss. He was that good, had such a quick release and such a quick get-off. Um, and I remember at the time, my freshman year, you are, I was playing Duke at Duke. So for me, obviously, that was very, very tough and sentimental, and all my buddies were busting my chops. And Jimmy Barron single-handedly almost beat Duke and Cameron. He mm. was that good that day. He literally missed a shot at the buzzer that would have won the game at Duke, um, which obviously would have been amazing and, and insane, but still to be able to go into Cameron and compete with Duke uh, at that time, too, 2007, when they, I mean, they've always been a powerhouse, but they were extremely good that year. So Jimmy's on my team. Uh, obviously, Lamar Odom, like you mentioned, uh, he's one of those similar where I grew up. Actually, it's funny, ironically enough, my sister uh, had some friends in Pawtucket who knew Lamar, and Lamar would come, you know, come back to like mm. Pawtucket on the weekends and hang out and, and party and just, you know, kind of be a part of the community. So I always thought that was really cool. Somebody who definitely needs his jersey retired mm. um, when the time is right. And then I have as my, we got one, two, three. Yeah, so then I had uh, Will Daniels. Also, okay. Will Daniels, who was there when I was there at that same time, was just a beast. Was such a good basketball player, offensively, defensively. Was a good leader, um, quiet, but just a really effective leader. Was a hell of a basketball player who was really the leader of a lot of those teams uh, during that time, where they had a lot of success and and had you know didn't have a lot of tournament success, but NIT success and were really successful. He's someone who's definitely on that list and someone I think of all the time. And then my guy. Uh, who I got to make sure is on there is Delroy James, mm-hmm. who at the same time was there. Delroy is actually a good buddy of mine. Um, we hit it off really, really well when I was at URI. Exceptional, smooth lefty. Reminds you a lot of Odom in that sense of just being silky smooth, but had no fear going and guarding anybody one through five on the other team. Put together a really good pro career itself. Um, has had a lot of success the last couple of years in the basketball tournament. Um, with his, his uh, team uh, where their kind of foundation was autism. And so a, a lot of good things to say about him both as a player and as a person. So he's someone who I got to make sure would be on my squad. Yeah, and if we're talking sentimental, we don't got our guy Harry. He's not on the I know, I know. We got to get him on there. <laughs> he should be. It's funny because there's a picture floating around on the internet somewhere of him in his, in his URI uniform. Yeah. And it's like I feel like – and we couldn't do this to him because we love him too much. But, like, imagine at the Amp Saturday, like that Put picture getting thrown oh, up yeah. there, right? Like that would be awesome. But yeah, Harry was a hooper, man. He was a hooper. He he could get buckets. Dave, yeah. he's St. Ray's guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously he got that, you know, put tuck it in him. So, yeah, Harry Harry was a hooper, man. Yeah, we went by – I mean, we got up through all the rosters, went through the history, current rosters, your background, talked a little bit about just like the broadcasting, uh, the world, sports media world. Um, it's always great to catch up with you. Yeah, I mean, Again, always. the first time that you've been on the podcast. And the million-dollar question, hope it doesn't stump you too much. I always ask everybody, what would you think of Camp's Corner? I loved it, man. It's, it, I've been excited. I've been wanting to get in Cam's Corner for a while. I know we were talking and trying to figure some things out. And obviously, once once I got this gig, we knew right away, like, we're going to get together and Hell do yeah. something before this game um, because it would have meant. So, no, I love it. Uh, absolute pleasure to be in Cam's Corner. Uh, I think, obviously, kudos to you. All the things you're doing are amazing. Um, I can imagine how, you know, thin you're spreading yourself, still being in school and still having those commitments, but being committed to your craft you know, in the official capacity of calling the games, but in, in a, I guess, more unofficial capacity of this and doing the groundwork to get, you know, legends like Silk Owens on or the Cole Swatters of the world or even 
the non-athletes like the DJ Finesse and other folks who are still impacting the world and in net, maybe the sports world, but even just the world in general. Mm. I think it's awesome. It's an amazing outlet. Super, you know, super excited to see where you take it and continue to build it next year. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful Cam's Corner a couple of years is going to look like McAfee's studio. <laughs> yeah, and we're right. going to have everything in there, full court and all that. So, you know, kudos to you. Loved, loved the opportunity. Can't wait to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, be able to do some more cool and fun stuff and get together. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll be on a broadcast together one day or on that Sports Center desk. I will see that. I mean, I see that in the future, man. There's no doubt in my mind, uh, you know, as far as, you know, your your success, my success. I'm always so positive and always, uh, you know, never going to be the best. But one day you never know. You yeah. have that mindset that you are, yep. you know, to get, you know, climb the ladder, get to that point one day. But, um, so yeah, Flanny on all socials. That's it. Yep. Seven thirty at the amp. If you're in Rhode Island, December second, you arrive versus PC. I'll be on the sidelines. Flanny will be all over the place. Yeah, I'll be all, all over, over the, the map. I'll be all over the map. So tune into Flanny. Tune in all his socials. Keep running up Camp's corner, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. On a break.